You are listening to Social Bees Radio, where we put the honey in the honey pots. I'm your director, the Rickster, and if you ever wanted to know everything and anything about Web3, crypto, or NFTs, you're in the right place. So fasten your seatbelt, get ready, and let's get started. you can hear me this is kareem crypto simba coming in at uh from nairobi kenya it's nine minutes after 11 day number 40 the 40th day uh we're now into our web3 innovation collaboration uh, uh spaces chat I, I do see uh bz and uh kalash uh, martinez thank you for for joining in if you can come onto the stage it'd be great um if you get a chance, please do tweet the space out. Um, we're the B Socials DAO, uh, Social Bees DAO. We are now um, uh, we are full, fully on chain DAO, and we have our currency called B Honey. Um, we are into community management, among other things. We were nominated for uh, innovation with the, with respect to NFTs and and. Uh, Decentralized Finance at the NFT NYC show. Uh, so a lot of interesting things happening. We have an auction going on at this time. If you go to socialbees.io, you will find a uh, you'll find five bees on auction every day for the next uh, year or so. I think. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, a lot of uh, the Egyptian bee was uh, uh, was on auction a couple of days ago. Uh, we have five new bees today. So welcome, welcome. Um, let's see, uh, BZ, are you able to, I'm, I'm gonna send you an invite, see how you're doing, see if you can join us, uh, that would be much appreciated. Otherwise I'll, uh, I'll, I'm here on my own, so then I'll just uh, continue to, uh, with uh, reading and, and, and offering some, some, uh, some content based on this notion of trust. I would I would like to talk about trust in in, um, in this blockchain DeFi NFT space. Um, if you were listening earlier, um, then you would have heard something uh, along those lines about you know trust in code and then the notion of trusting in the community. Marhaba BZ, how are you? Marhaba, Kifa, I am doing well. Tamam, tamam. Tamam, tamam. Alhamdulillah, it's good. Um, wonderful to have you on, on the space. You know, I, I've been going around. Thank you. Days. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy that you're, you're able to join me. And, and if you can, I, I know that you're busy and, and it's, uh, it's a busy day for you also, but I appreciate you jumping in and supporting me in this, uh, endeavor. Thank you. Thank you. My brother. How are things, how are things in, uh, in, in your part of the world? What, what's happening? What news? Uh, it's. It's uh, it's okay. It's yeah. uh, today. It, it it is raining <laughs> since wow. the early morning. This is uh, this is uh, something not usual on our yes. side. Yeah. So it's, it's June for us, and it's summer. You know. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you, your typical Mediterranean climates, and, and and this is the same thing that used to happen. Exactly. I used to know in like in California, from uh, from the time you know after April. Then between April and then October, you wouldn't. It would rain maybe once or twice if you were lucky, right? Yes, uh, yes. And so it was hot and dry, and then 
cool, cool and wet in, in the winter, right? So mm. it is unusual. But we talk about rain as baraka, right? As a blessing. Yes, true, true. Yeah. Good. Uh, as you know, it's uh, where, where I am living, it's uh, the, the area suffering from lack of water. So yes. it's uh, good. Yes. It's good, alhamdulillah, to have uh, rain. Right. You're on the, on the edge of the desert in the, in, in the area exactly. known as the, the Badia. Exactly, that, exactly. Right. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Uh, um, must be an interesting experience. I, I remember one time, though, I had, and I have a picture of this uh, in, in the wintertime. It got kind of cold, and we had that palm tree, you know, in the, in the compound, and it was covered in snow. I mean, there have been times in, 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 in the winter when, when it, it's gotten very cold. So we, we've seen some unusual weather at times. Um, mm, but that, that image of a palm tree with snow on top of it is, was very striking, I, I, you know, I remember. <laughs> um, yes, it is. Yeah, indeed. Okay, good stuff. So I, I was going to talk about trust, okay? And, and if, yes. if you don't mind, maybe you can, you can uh, humor me and you can participate in this discussion. If I were to ask yeah, for you, sure, for sure. Uh, what, what, is, what does trust mean to you? When you think about trust, okay, and, and I know English is not your first language, so if you want to, if you want to, yes. if you want to speak in Arabic and, and tell, you know, explain what, what it is in Arabic, and then maybe that will help you translate it into English. Um, what, is, what is trust? Yeah. What is trust to you? Actually, Trust, you know, when you trust someone, mm -hmm. you can, you know, do anything with him. You give him money, give him like uh, your secrets, give him uh, right. your, uh, even uh, to use your property in some cases. Right. Okay. But so, so, but so that's, that's a feeling that allows you to, for, for others to sort of, I mean, you, because you have this trust in somebody else, you are allowing them to use your property or you're allowing them to lend money and things of that nature, right? Mm. Um, I know Martinez, exactly. Martinez come on onto the stage. Martinez, uh, what is your understanding of trust? How would you define trust? So again, I, I want to, so you've, you've told me what are the consequences of trust, right? You've, you've, you've given me an example yes. is that, you know, um, if I trust somebody, then I'll, I will do, ABC, right? I, I'll let them drive my car. Mm. Okay. True. Right? True. Uh, because you trust me, you would let me drive your car, right? Um, so let me, let, let me ask you this. Would you trust like a five-year-old uh, person to drive your car? Okay. For sure not. And, For okay, sure so not. what... Yeah, trust needs some principles to like, to be like... Uh, Put it in someone. Yeah. First of all, first of all, he should like be. You test him uh, as like you know from your your past experience with the, someone. Right. This will like uh, encourage you, uh, like to to put your st uh, trust in him. Okay. And uh, even you know trust needs some uh, like logical uh, issues in, on the person you trust. Mm -hmm. For example, his age. Yeah. You know, his uh, quality of education, mm. uh, what he is doing to the community. Right. You know, a lot of principles you should look before you trust someone. Right. Okay. So, 
Um, so that's that's very interesting because it, it's leading it's leading us down this this pathway, right? So is is trust? So can I uh, can I reach this decision based purely on a like a calculation, right? Independent of uh, of the human element. Is it purely just a? True. Is it just uh, it's just a calculation? You know, I I trust that it won't rain today, or I. Um, I trust that something will not happen, or is it is it like a chance where you know if if I have to roll the dice, then I then 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 I I can calculate and say I have some kind of confidence. Would you say it's purely just calculative? It's, it, it's in a human no, it's in a human we cannot consider only mm -hmm. a, a calculation, right? Yeah. yeah, there are like other factors maybe affected trust, right? No calculation is you know when uh, they are like something emotional, uh, some uh, something about the the character of this person you are going to trust him. Mm -hmm. uh, him. All right. You know uh, they are like even some history data you you collect about the person. Right. Uh, uh, and you know in some cases uh, I practically you know I sold someone one one time about the. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't see this person before to those right. to whom I uh, sell the property. Right. I didn't see him before. Uh, he, he requested my like uh, clearance on uh, uh, the contract that he mm -hmm. gave me all the money. In spite, he, I didn't receive all the money. Right. But you know, someone called me. Mm -hmm. uh, I I know him very well in where I am living. Right. I know he is like a very famous person here in the. Uh, in the country, then uh, he told me that you know, sign and your rights is under my authority. I will uh, give you whatever uh, you lose from signing. Right. He gave me like a verb, a verbal uh, approval to to, this, uh, to sign. Mm -hmm. Then I I signed the contract, right. and you know, the person who I signed to him immediately after two days, he gave me the money. Right. So. So you're you're going you're talking about some element, if I may use the term like a reputation. You had you're talking about the reputation. Of yes, somebody. exact, exact, so, exact. So based on their past behavior, um, you can come to because of what they've done, what they've said, how they've acted. Uh, there is that human element that uh, that says, okay, you know, I there is um, uh, there is something to that, and I have. You, there's this notion of, of confidence, right? And I I'll come to this later. True. You have because uh, because of this human experience, because of this thing that this relationship that you may have, then you then you have confidence to say, okay, I will go ahead and sign that contract because based on past experience, I this person is good for their word, right? And even without them exactly putting something in in writing. You 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 believe them, right? Exactly. You you have confidence, right? It's not so much you believe them, but the, but you have you have exactly. a, there's this notion of confidence, right? So exactly. So the, there's this notion of trust. So trust, uh, would you agree that is not is, is not guaranteed performance, right? You can trust. You can be you can be vulnerable, right, to the one you've trusted. Right. Mm. There is a, there is a chance. True. Uh, that uh, something could not work out, right? So, True. so True. to 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 trust means to be vulnerable. Would you agree with that? Mm. 
Mm, yeah. And so... Yeah, in some, in some cases, actually, you know, there are, like, other factors. Yeah. Which can, like, uh, prevent the, the person right. who you trust to, like, uh, fulfill what you are requesting. Um, mm -hmm. Right. You know, uh, for example, uh, trust, it's, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, it's not 100% it's guaranteed. Yes. It's not like that. Right. It are like... Uh, 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 other factors which can like uh, preventing the, pe uh, the person you trust him right. from practicing uh, 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 fulfill what you are requesting from him. For example, something bad happened to him, right? Or uh, or you know, uh, maybe his circumstances preventing him from doing something for you. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's that's a very interesting point. So while you 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 know the reputation of somebody, right? And you, you, you strongly have confidence that they will deliver. Uh, there are some unknown factors that could happen, right? Uh, so that, that, that some, something could happen to that person that you could have not imagined, right? Uh, and therefore, exactly. therefore, in that sense, we're stating again is that there is, it's not guaranteed, right? Mm. That so it's not True. ironclad, right? Okay, and and the reason the reason I'm bringing this this point about trust is it, just in case we have new listeners and what have you, is that just to to sort of set the tone is is that you know we talk about blockchain, right? And blockchain being like a trustless protocol, right? And so I'm the reason I'm I'm having this discussion and having this uh, conversation is to look at uh, at um, at this notion of trust, right? And and you pointed out something, and, and this brings me to this next point about, you know, trust Trust can fail in three ways, right? So one is that it, yes. it can trust, it can fail directly, okay, there's a direct violation. Uh, trust can also fail when when there's opportunistic behavior, and I'll explain that a little bit. And, and sometimes in the case where there is some like systematic collapse all right so these are these three things that i, I want to talk Pro. about right so so for example the, the first case is that of this direct violation is that you you take your car to the mechanic and he and he charges you more than than what you were expecting right uh, is he's giving the, the mechanic is doing unnecessary work right or you tell yes. you're telling your friend or you're you know in school to look after your sandwich, but then they help them, they eat the sandwich, right? Um, <laughs> right? So, so that's, that's yes. like a, a direct violation, right? So, and sometimes mm. these, these things can have a, a, have a legal or ethical consequence, right? But that's, that's a, like the first Broke. kind of failure, all right? The second, the second kind is, is when somebody tries to take advantage of you, right? Because maybe I have more knowledge than you, then I will take advantage of, of that situation. So I violate your trust that way, right? And the third case is what you were referring to earlier, is that, you know, you, 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 we weren't expecting something. There was a, there was a system-wide failure and something crashed or somebody died, and therefore that person who you had confidence in has, has challenges uh, fulfilling that responsibility that they had, right? So, so that's like a, where maybe the, like the platform 
or the system completely failed because of unknown circumstances. We, right? And then it could it could have been because it could be because when this relationship crosses the boundary, whether it's organizational or it's political or what have you, then then it's it's susceptible to an environment or a business structure where something could fail, right? So that's that. Uh, that's so. This is so. This brings this brings us to this notion that look on the one hand, right? You have. If I may, one second. I'm just going to mute you. Okay. Uh, there's some. Uh, there's some. Uh, okay. All right. Martinez, the speaker, was on. Okay. So, so I'm I'm talking about the situation of trust, where um, trust trust is two sided. And again, I'm I'm reading from uh, Kevin Warbeck's book on uh, the blockchain, the new architecture of trust. And so trust can be two-sided. On the one side, there's a belief that's rooted in some combination of rational or emotional factors. And on the other hand, there is this acceptance that there is some uncontrolled risk, right? So um, in the words of Roger Mayer, trust is the willingness of a party to be vulnerable to the actions of another party based on the expectation that the other will perform a particular action important to the trustor irrespective of the ability to monitor or control that other part. So basically, in short, right, trust is confident vulnerability. You're putting yourself in a vulnerable position, but you, you have some level of confidence, right? And so there, is, there can be no trust without being vulnerable. And vulnerability traditionally means that you give up some power to somebody else. So in the example that... Uh, BZ was talking to, uh, speaking to earlier, is that, you know, he had, uh, he was confident in the reputation of somebody else. They said, go ahead and, and engage in this contract. Uh, and so you were, th things could have gone wrong and you were sort of yielding that power, right? And in, in, in the example, you trust the bank by giving it the power to control your money. Right, and you do exactly the same with, uh, you know, like a, somebody who actually has conned you. Right, is that you are trusting somebody, you are putting yourself in a, in a vulnerable position, and you were then, um, being vulnerable, and you are giving yielding some some authority in, in that context. Right, so if we take so this is arguably the definition of trust, and 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 BZ, if you're able to speak, or Martinez, if you want to jump in. Um, do you have anything to comment on that? Do you agree, disagree? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. What, uh, what you have mentioned is, uh, yeah, right. I believe in uh, all what you mentioned, people. Right. So this is so this is this is the foundation of trust so that that it is this notion of mm. confident vulnerability. You're putting yourself in a in a position of vulnerability, but you you have some level of confidence. All right. So you can. You can calculate that confidence, right? So this is why True. maybe you would you would allow your son to drive the car even though they're not 21 years old, but the but the rental company will not just because they're reg regulated and what have you. They say they cannot allow uh, somebody who is under the age of 21 to drive the car, right? 
but your, you, you, have, you have confidence in your son to drive your car, right? And so, so there, therein is this, this example where, where somebody doesn't want to take that risk and doesn't have that confidence or doesn't want to put themselves in that position of vulnerability, right? Okay, exactly. So, so now let's, let's go ahead and, and, and uh, let's talk about these uh, different kinds of uh, trust architectures. And again, I'm, I'm referring to Kevin Warbach's book, and he describes three, three trust architectures, peer-to-peer, -peer, Leviathan, and intermediary, all right? So in the first architecture, which is this peer-to-peer -peer trust, that is a trust that is based on a relationship uh, and some shared ethical norms. And so this, this is also speaks to what BZ was talking about earlier. He, he knew about the reputation of an individual and, and, and based on that peer-to-peer -peer relationship, you know, um, you know, I trust you because I trust you kind of thing, right? And so this is the earliest sort of trust structure that was created, inter, you know, interpersonal trust among families, among clans, among society and, and what have you, right? So that's, that's the first one. Uh, and then the second one has to do uh, this, with this, this notion of uh, Leviathan, all right? And this comes from the 17th century philosopher, Thomas Hobbes, right? And this, in this case, he situ this is, he's situating trust as a foundational force in the establishment of civilization, okay? So although this term is rarely used, it's usually made reference in the context of of the state, right? There is a um, there is this notion that the state or some powerful central authority can operate in the background, right? And therefore, it can impose uh, its will. Um, so, sorry, to prevent others from imposing their will through force and trickery, right? So, the idea is that. You might have uh, bureaucratic rules uh, for participation for participating in, say, dispute resolution, right? So you, you think about the, the legal system, right? So if something were to go wrong in a particular transaction, you have a state or something out there uh, that can that has that force and that ability to make things right. All right, and then the the third way is that you have. Um, is through structured intermediary, intermediaries, right? Uh, and this, in this case, in this arrangement now, you have these local rules and the reputation of the intermediaries take place of the social norms uh, and government-issued laws to structure transactions, right? So, uh, for example, um, you, you can look at a like you can look at a bank, right, or a credit bureau or what have you, right, where they have rules in place and they have they're following certain uh, ways of doing things and practices so that it gives you that confidence to say that look i can trust in these guys so when i when i send money using a bank you know i i believe that i trust that they will be able to do it right and they're not going to cheat me out of that situation right and so um so you have this thing where you have um this this trust architecture, which is called an intermediary, right? So, like the bank, right? So, 
What's important to understand is that all of these architectures give rise to a trust trade-off in which users give up some freedom to gain the benefit of trust. In peer-to-peer -peer trust, they must trust the norms of the community. In Leviathan trust, they are subservient to the state. And in the intermediary trust, they lock themselves into walled gardens by ceding control over personal data. So you can see that when you, when you do that with a bank, you're giving them all kinds of information about who you are and what you're doing. Um, and, and therefore you're ceding that, 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 uh, that control, right? And so, um, and, and we can look at that also in terms of what's been happening in terms of, you know, platforms such as Google and Facebook. Uh, what is happening in, in that context when you are giving over personal data? Are you trusting them to um, use it responsibly and with care, right? So, because these platforms control how users see the world by shaping their information diets and controlling the markets through the power of intermediation, right? So, and then they talk about network effects can make it difficult for competitors to undermine their dominance. So we were talking about this Google and Facebook situation. And, and we can, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later, right? And so, um, BZ, any, any comments on that? Can you relate to those three kinds of trust, right? There's the peer-to-peer, -peer, there's the state, and then there's the intermediary, right? Any comments? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any. All right, okay. So, so now let's, let's talk about the fourth one, okay? So now, now we have the introduction of the blockchain, right? And it's, Kevin argues that this, the blockchain creates a new kind of trust that none of the established models encompass, right? So um, this, this is taught, you know, this is what Reed Hoffman refers to as trustless trust, right? So we're talking about trust. I see that uh, Sam is listening. We just went through the, the, the three sort of established architectures of trust, which was the peer-to-peer, -peer, the Leviathan, and intermediary. And now we have this introduction of this new technology called blockchain, right? And the idea is that um, it could be argued that sort of on a blockchain, nothing is assumed to be trustworthy except the output of the network itself. And this distinctive arrangement defines the landscape for the blockchain's interactions with the law, regulations, and governance. So in any transaction, there are three elements that may be trusted, the counterparty, the intermediary, and the dispute resolution mechanism. The blockchain tries to replace all of these three with software code, all right? So people are represented through arbitrary digital keys, which eliminate the contextual factors that humans use to evaluate trustworthiness. The transactions platform is a distributed machine operated by unknown participants who are in it purely for the money, all right? They're, they have, they're working on their best uh, interests, right? And the dispute resolution occurs through smart contracts executing predefined algorithms. What makes a transaction valid are cryptographic proofs that, other party, that the other party can verify mathematically. Hence the common saying in proof we trust among Bit Bitcoin aficionados in the contrast to the legend in God we trust on the US banknotes, right? So I'm gonna fast forward there, but 
uh, well, there's one other point here that I want to bring up, right? Blockchains do more than inspire confidence in the reliability of their ledger entries. They generate a particular kind of trust that should be examined in its own terms. And, and this is what Kimin is going to get into and talk about uh, this notion of trust in blockchain. So block, blockchain trust is sort of intangible. You cannot see a Bitcoin. It's just a set of transaction records on a distributed ledger. Yet that is hardly unique in, the, in, in today's world. We accept that our bank accounts represent actual money and our stock purchases represent real equity, even though we view them electronically, right? So you're not really touching them, but there is a, a record somewhere that states that you have that, right? And intellectual property rights, um, such as uh, copyrights, trademarks, and patents are valuable sources of competitive advantage and alienable assets in themselves. Furthermore, intangibility is a standard issue with all online interactions, all right? So I'm going to jump forward a, a little bit here, all right? So is, would, we, would you agree that the blockchain is entirely trustless? Any, any thoughts on that? Do you have, would you have complete faith in, in, in uh, this, this technology? Or could something go wrong? So sort of going forward, we can look at issues of, of money, right? And, uh, and, and, and what, is, what, is the, what, are, what are notions of money, right? Arguably, and according to Yuval Harari, you know, money is the most universal and most effective system of mutual trust that has ever been created, right? Um, we, we have come to some kind of an agreement as to what, what money is, right? And so when we look at uh, Bitcoin and, and blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, how, how does this, this thing, how does this play out, right? It's very interesting. Um, and so again, reading from, um, from Kevin, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto solved the puzzle of digital cash and in doing so developed a new trust architecture. Using a similar approach, inventing the problem, the, the the mechanism for people to make payments confidently with a decentralized digital currency is to pay people with it, right? Rather than treat money as purely as the output of the system. Bitcoin uses it as an input, right? And so it, it talks about this notion of how we, we are incentivizing people on the network to, who will work in their best interest to do the right thing. And so the, the architecture of the system is such that they, for participating in this, they are then rewarded with this digital currency, right? So herein comes this notion of, of money, right? And so one interesting point is that no major currency in the world today is based on anything tangible, right? If you think about the US dollar, it went off the gold standard, right? So how do we put value on the US dollar, right? Uh, there was a time when, uh, when prior to 1971, where, where that was the, the circumstances were different, right? And so, yes, okay, there's, there's a lot of gold in the US and what have you, but the idea is that the Fed can go on and, and print money. And we know that in the last two years, there was a significant amount of, U.S. dollars that were printed 
arguably, you know, something like, you know, was it 30, 40% of all of the money that had been printed to date was printed in the last couple of years, right? So I stand corrected on that. If anybody can uh, has that statistic, I think it's a very interesting statistic to see what has happened with this quantitative easing, right? So, um, and so this, this goes back, this comes back to this issue about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So any particular cryptocurrency may crash in price and even go to zero, but that is different than saying the cryptocurrency is inherently worth nothing at all. I think this is a very interesting idea where we're saying that, look, even though it's, it's you know, this is a situation where we're talking about something that used to be based, you're talking about US dollars being based on something. And if, if um, you know, so even if, a, if that price crashes, can you say that it's worth nothing, right? And and what is what does it mean in the in the in a in a crypto, you know, in a Web three crypto uh, cryptocurrency economy, right? All right. So let me let me advance a little bit further, and I'm trying to find some interesting points here. Um, there's a lot of talk about the government and how the government has set up banks, right? Uh, and and this notion of credit, but I'm I'm going to skip over that. Here we go. So let me let me here. Uh, this is an interesting point, and we look at this this two, this situation in two thousand eight, right? Um, in propping up banks, that caused the crisis, and not the homeowners and others who suffered its consequences, right? Regulators created a condition of moral hazard, right? Bankers enjoyed all of the gains from risky behavior, yet experienced only some of the losses. So we're looking back to 2008. What happened with uh, uh, with the boom and the bubble and the burst and what have you is that eventually the banks got bailed out, right? Uh, and it was the taxpayers who had to pay for it, right? There were some banks that did go down, but for the most part, uh, it was the the homeowners and other people who suffered the mo most of the consequences in that situation. And so Kevin is talking about uh, what happened in 2008. And says one, one lesson from the painful experience of the crisis was that the system was broken and had to be fixed. This was generally the conclusion of the investment in the political communities. Reforms such as Dodd-Frank Act in the U.S. and, and new systematic risks, risk controls were instituted to prevent a reoccurrence of the cascading failures of 2008. Right? A darker interpretation is also possible, however. Perhaps the system cannot be fixed. Perhaps bankers motivated to maximize their returns in the short term cannot be trusted to act in the long-term interests of society. Right? Now, that's, that's quite a doozy there. Right? Uh, let me just read that again. The system cannot be fixed. Bankers were motivated to maximize their returns in the short term, and they cannot be trusted to act in the long-term interests of society. So perhaps given the importance of financial services to the economy, some degree of risk will always be socialized to the citizens as a whole, even as the gains from risk-taking accrue to the financiers alone. And perhaps the government is at some point neither able to nor interested in serving as a truly honest broker. If this is the case, it means the system itself cannot be trusted. It relies at bottom, it relies at bottom on humans. The decision makers who generate trust are fallible, 
and inefficient and potentially biased, right? The only alternative is to remove them. Okay, interesting uh, thesis there, uh, argument on saying that, look, at, at, at the end, really we're relying on humans, okay? And humans are fallible, they're inefficient and they have bias. And we were talking about bias in AI and what have you. So this is, this is the nature of, the, of, the, of, of being a human, right? The financial crisis thus showed the limits of all established trust architectures. P2P relationships could not scale to meet the modern demands. Intermediaries allowed for dematerialization, but eventually created financial service organization, services organizations that were too big to fail and incentivized to take risks that they didn't fully appreciate. And the Leviathan standing behind the private interactions proved alternatively powerless and part of the problem. The stage was set for a new approach. And so this is, this is now leading to this introduction of Bitcoin and, and this new trust architecture. You have been listening to Social Bees Radio, where we put the honey in the honeypots. Make sure to check out our next episode of Social Bees Radio. Till then, signing off.